1: Let's begin.
0: Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, January 9th, 2023. This year is off to a crazy new start, and we're excited to be sharing with you some of the latest news and events and what's going on. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Uh, joining me on the podcast today, Alice Alvey, as well as our, my co-host, Mark Helm. Thank you both for joining in. Looking forward to getting to your segments. bit. I want to say a thank, thank you to our sponsors, Candor Technology, the only automated underwriting, underwriting system to earn a patent for its unique technology solution. Candor has also optimized the loan delivery and workflow process so operations can right-size for the last time it's a really amazing thing what tom and sarah have done there at uh, candor the whole team has done it's pretty pretty amazing check out candor go to our website or contact candor we'll provide the contact information in our show notes as well as finastra they can rely on um, email notifications you can rely on email notifications to communicate with you as well as text notifications of what's going on at the various stages of each loan. I'm impressed with what these guys have done in a real-time manner where they provide pipelines data to, and it's the way they do it, that's unique and different from some of the others that are operating in the LOS POS space. You need to check out what Finastra can do by going to their website, finastra.com. Also, we have FormFree. Talk about some innovative things that are going on there. FormFree is the leading provider of direct source verification of assets and verification of income slash employment through uh, for mortgage lenders so it can speed up the process this has already been approved by freddie mac check out what they're doing listen to the podcast we recorded with brent chandler on october 17th also total expert has done an amazing job of building a customer journey that gives lenders the place to nurture the, through nurturing campaigns, connect with consumers all along before they become a customer as well as still a prospect, as well as working with them all the way through past the campaigns and post campaigns. I'll listen to the interview we did with Dan Cantinelli on October 21st of, of 2022. Then there's also Simple Nexus. We recorded an interview and released it December 30th with Ben Miller talking about their overall vision of what's going on. We talked about the leadership of their position in the marketplace. Again, this is one of the companies you want to be paying close attention to because of their vision for consolidating so many of the various processes into one platform that you can use that will Create a modern experience, and they redefine what a modern mortgage looks like. Check it out. Simple Nexus. Also, a special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of of America, MBA. We just received an updated slide deck from Mike Frantonium, where things are at um, as far as the economy, what their predictions are. Really interesting. Appreciate the partnership we have with the MBA. Of course, Mortgage Action Alliance, that is such an important uh, technology you can download. It's an app you download to have your voice heard, and on the Washington, uh, on the Hill in Washington D.C. as they and uh, supporting the MBA's efforts to support what we need in our industry and legislation. Alice will be talking some about that in her legislative update here in a few minutes. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These are two co-ops that do a great job of helping you meet the other companies, other lenders your size or vendors that will provide services. Again, both these organizations do not replace the MBA, but what they do is provide an up close and personal, more personal, more intimate setting for you to talk about your business with your peers of like size we've got the upcoming both the conferences this year is i'm going to say lenders one as well as the mortgage collaborative both are falling on the first week in march if you're not registered be sure to go there and to their websites and register for those conferences even if you're not a member of lenders one or mortgage collaborative i know there's a way in which you can attend one of these things at least once in advance to see if it's the right fit for you i'm sure you'll find it to be so uh, looking forward to being at those conferences. They go, how are you going to be at both of them? Well, we're going to be at Lenders One. We're looking at some of our other company, or our TMS uh, representatives being at the other one. We'll like, give you an update on that as we get closer to the date. Also, KnowledgeCoup, which does a great job with their learning management system, so check them out as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. Again, the power of Modex MMI. And MMI, the two separate companies, again, MMI stands for Mortgage Market Intelligence, and it's from a company called Mobility. What both of these companies can do is help you select and target the individuals that are the best fit for your mortgage lending operation. Not everyone is the right loan officer for your company, but if you're wanting to look at the markets, what type of product you offer – you can go in and find out which through mobility mmi or modex you can find out the mortgage lender that does the most volume of your type of product mix it's really a powerful tool also just market intelligence it's really amazing what this happens how, how these two can work to help you and going which markets to go into maybe what markets to exit and then who's doing what in those markets can 't talk I, we use these tools constantly as we 're advising clients and we 're trying to get our clients to sign up for these uh, and have done a very good job of setting getting people to sign up for both of these technologies also mortgage advisory tools does a great job on your marketing so we could go on and on about our sponsors we're thrilled and grateful for each one of them this week we 've got Brittany hodak we 're going to be releasing that podcast on January 10th of this week which is tomorrow we 'll be releasing the Creating Superfans, it's coinciding with the release of her book, which she'll be doing tomorrow as well. So Brittany Hodak, you'll enjoy that interview. Brittany's just a delightful person, and she is a true expert on creating superfans. And, uh, and if we do it right, folks, we just have that customer base that keeps coming back to us over and over and over at repeat business. Check out. January 10th. Let's also give a shout out to those that have contributed to the podcast each and every week. Adam De Sanctis, we're going to hear from him in just a minute. Les Parker and Gary Contribune, the team up to provide the, the macro review of the markets. Matt Grimm sent in, can't join us live, but he sent in a recording today. We'll get that. David Kittle is going to be not joining us today, but he's at, he's traveling be with Regina Lowry's um, memorial service tomorrow. I wish I could be there. There's going to be so many wonderful Friends that are going to be at her service. I wish I could be there. Also, Alice is here with us with the legislative update. Hopefully, Alan Pollock. Yeah, I see Alan's dialed in, so we'll get a technology update, a tech update, and all that's happening in that world. But Mark, thanks so much for joining me as the co-host today. I appreciate you. All right, let's Certainly get over to Alan. Ab- to be here
2: as always, David. Thank you. You bet, sir. Always a pleasure.
0: Let's get over to hear what Adam
3: DeSanctis has with the MBA Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Here's what you need to know. FHFA last week released its 2023 scorecard for the GSEs as well as for common securitization solutions. The scorecard builds on progress made last year and focuses on two equally weighted areas, promoting sustainable and equitable access to affordable housing, and operating in a safe and sound manner. The 2023 scorecard highlights specific single-family initiatives, including facilitating a greater supply of affordable housing, taking meaningful actions to achieve the goals and objectives of the GSE's equitable housing finance plans, updating the current pricing framework, modernizing the appraisal process, and minimizing appraisal bias, among other things. MBA will continue to work with the GSEs as they implement the scorecard initiatives and, over a longer term, pursue the necessary conditions to exit conservatorship. And don't forget, we're only a few weeks away from being in Sunday Coronado Island for MBA's Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference. Register today at mba.org to join us on January 23rd through the 26th. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you, MBA. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. And the NBA can sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app by going to the Play Store or wherever you download apps on your smartphone. Appreciate them very much. Normally, we have Matt Graham here live with us, but unfortunately, Matt is uh, dealing with a couple issues, so he sent in a recording. So let's get an update from Matt Graham and hear what we can look forward to. It's on the economic calendar this week.
4: Hey, everybody. This is Matt Graham with this week's MBS Live Market Update. We've been waiting for this first week of January as some sort of turning point for the holiday mode in the bond market and the broader financial market in general. Uh, The market really goes into a different trading pattern in the last few weeks of December, usually marked by the Fed announcement that takes place in mid-December. This time was no exception. We had CPI data come out on the 13th and then the Fed announcement on the 14th of December. And ever since then, rates sort of just drifted higher for no apparent reason. There was some small uh, reaction to some monetary policy developments in Japan, but I think that even that was potentially a little bit overstated. Uh, so it wasn't until this first week of January that we were able to look forward to more logical connections between the data that was coming out and market movement. There was no disappointment in that regard. In fact, there was a really well-developed and perhaps even surprising level of connection between economic data and market movement. This was most notable on Thursday and Friday. Uh, Thursday morning, there were a series of labor related reports that pushed rates higher. This was the challenger job cut report and then ADP employment and then jobless claims. All were stronger than expected, all pushed rates higher logically uh, but you know more than we would have expected based on past precedent recent precedent then uh, we did know that we were looking forward to the biggest potential reaction of the week to Friday morning's data, but that was a little bit tricky because whereas we would have put most of the emphasis on non-farm payrolls, the big jobs report out first thing in the morning, it was actually ISM non-manufacturing, the services index, that had an even bigger impact. Or you could say that uh, traders had an inclination to buy bonds more than they did after the NFP data, but they were waiting to see how ISM came out. I don't really think that's the case. In this case, I think that ISM was so weak that it really started banging that recessionary gong that a lot of people have been listening for in recent weeks and months. And uh, that's not to say this one report confirms that the economy is heading into a recession, but... This one report does do more than any other report on the services sector to say that the services sector is in recessionary territory, at least as far as that month's data is concerned. But uh, when we combine that with much slower wage growth in the uh, NFP data and a big downward revision to last month's wage growth number, it sort of painted a picture of economic slowing or at the very least – uh, a lower level of concern the Fed would need to have about a wage price spiral and a booming economy uh, doing more to drive inflation and wages. So with that, bonds rallied fairly significantly uh, with 10-year yields moving back into that low early December range w- that was marked by an upper limit of 3.62. And now this morning down to 352 And we'll know that things are getting serious if we get under 3.4. For something like that to happen, we're probably looking at uh, this week's CPI data needing to come in below forecast. And uh, that would be the third time in a row that CPI was rate-friendly. CPI, of course, Consumer Price Index, the biggest market mover among the inflation reports, even though some would say that core PCE is the Fed's favorite and therefore the most important. It's just not as big of a market mover as CPI. So that will be out Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., and it is really the one and only big-ticket economic report this week. Traders may be hesitant to buy into a big-picture rally as much as they otherwise might until they see what comes out with CPI. And in the same vein, uh, mortgage lenders may be a little bit more conservative with rate sheets than they otherwise might be until they see how markets are reacting to CPI on Thursday. All that having been said, the fact that we're getting off to a relatively strong start this week without any major data or events driving that strength is a good sign. And at the very least, it signifies the market's willingness and openness to consider this big picture bounce as long as data confirms it later in the week. That's all for now. Back to you.
0: Thank you very much, Matt. No, I did not totally forget to – okay, so I partially forgot to play Les's segment. But we have Les Parker dialing in live with us today, and so I'm very excited to have him here. So, Les Parker, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here. Appreciate you dialing in. But let's get your comments after we play your segment, Les Parker. So le- here we go. Les Parker, Gary Cantorbone teaming up on the TM Spotlight uh, segment. And uh, we'll talk about how you sign up for this newsletter in just a minute. Here you go, Les Parker. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. But bulls set fire
5: to rain. Watch it pour as it melted your game. Well, loans burn when settled. Because loans' margins screamed out, no game, no game. Pricing loans with the right margins matter. Otherwise, wild movement in securities from illiquidity destroys hedgers reacting to every twist and turn. Origination opportunities abound, but buying markets by ignoring the price of illiquidity and volatility make income statements scream no gain. Price loans to the risk and deliver superior customer service. Let your companies live. Make gain. Don't let it burn. These views are my own. Understand the burn at tmspotlight.com before the write-in.
6: Ready, yeah.
0: Very good. Les Parker's here. By the way, you can sign up for Les Parker's newsletter. Get the paid version at no cost. If you put in, if you put in the uh, code, put in power for power seller. You Get the newsletters, great newsletter. I love it, Les Parker. Thanks so much for dialing in. I appreciate it. It's an honor to get you live and commenting on what's going on. So, I've turned on everyone's mic. Alan, Mark, Alice, you're all here. We get to talk to Les. Alice, you and I were talking about less is accuracy, except geez, maybe a little bit of a slip. Maybe that's maybe why I was dialing in today. Les Parker, good to have you
5: here. <laughs> well, even the best make mistakes, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's difficult. I thought you Alice know, handled it I with a lot of grace, do, though.
0: I thought Alice handled <laughs> that with a lot of grace last week.
5: Well, I, you know why. Is She's an exceptionally, number one, and she's an exceptionally smart person. She's in sight. um but she's also very kind in the way that she responds she to is. people. She looks for ways to be positive, and that is a great trait. It's one of the beautiful things about her, so.
0: Yeah. One of the many. Oh, One of the you, many. Man. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. We love you. Okay.
5: When you look at, when you look at forecasting, um, obviously uh, our mutual friend, uh, Doug Duncan does a fabulous job in forecasting mm-hmm. so much. So he's gotten the highest award that an economist can receive in the United States beyond the Nobel prize. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, for forecasting and all in, and one of the things that Doug does that's not quite the same as others, uh, you and I both like Mike, Frantoni, and Tony, and he has a great, fabulous team over there at MBA. Um, Marina Walsh is among the best uh, mortgage analysts in in America, So, and that's putting her up against uh, the ones that are embedded in our largest um, Investment bankers. She really is exceptional, um, and I, I compare her with uh, Laura. Um, that's over at uh, Goodman. That's over at uh, mm-hmm. the Urban Institute. So, the the thing that makes uh, that makes Marina stand out is she's very practical and she's into the data. And mortgage bankers absolutely love somebody that does it that way. So. All that to say, uh, forecasting or outlooks, the way I try to do it is I try to assess different views that are out there. That's why I do a lot of reading at the Financial Times, not as much at the Wall Street Journal, but at some at the Wall Street Journal,
6: Um,
5: and try to connect uh, all the dots, not just the domestic dots. And I know that people – that I know that know Matt well, so kind of a third party yep. side um, that makes Matt so good is he's very he's he's viewed as a exceptional Fed watcher.
6: Mm-hmm. So
5: he does get monetary policy well, which and he focuses it through mortgage and mortgage and Fed Fed policy. When we talk about monetary policy, is a U.S. thing. Yet the Fed has huge influences globally, obviously, and mortgages is a domestic product for the most part anymore it, it investors' foreign investments not that high. there is still some in japan they 've always liked Jenny 's uh, you know since Jenny really kind of took root and so what I wanted to call in and kind of talk about uh, would have been nice to hear matt 's thought on it too, but i'm what my Uh, audio clip today was about and what my newsletter today is about is basically looking at volatility and illiquidity. And before half your listeners drop, the reason (laughs) I want to point it out is, (laughs) is loan officers need to appreciate that there's a reason why they're not getting the type of pricing that they would expect. They look at the competition and they essentially look at the, the most competitive prices, the, the lowest, and, and, and they are, most loan officers that I know, I used to be one, are pretty fair in looking at the, uh, the primary market, that is the market of their competitors. What, what can a borrower get today from another mortgage company? Uh, but they tend to look at what the best prices are in that competition world. And they're not. I don't think right now in this environment they can fully appreciate what the bid ask spread is. So I would love to hear from Alice and and yeah. well, everyone that you have on the call. Uh, you obviously have one of the deck technology people on the phone every week, um, yeah. and Mark to see to see what they think about this illiquidity issue that we're facing and why we see the wide bid ass spreads in mortgages.
6: Yeah.
0: Let's. Let's start with you, Mark. On this, by the way, Doug Duncan won the Lawrence R. Klein Award for a blue chip forecast accuracy. So that is the award. You had told me that earlier. I scrambled. I googled it while we were while you were just talking. So yeah, kudos to Doug for what he has um, what he has accomplished. So accurate, so conscientious. But anyway, Alan, let's, uh, excuse me, uh, Mark. Let's start with you. Then I'll go to Allison and
2: I'm going to ramble a little bit, but I will share my opinion with you. Um, I think there's a multiple factors affecting what's going on today. Uh, certainly, <clears throat> the somewhat uh, rapid change in the market kind of put everybody in a shock mode, I think. And that's, that's one of the things that's happening out there. I think there's bar hesitation at a higher level than there's ever been before because of that. Uh, I also think that uh, the... Capital markets have have kind of stepped back and are a little bit anxious about what's going on because they know they're buying into something at a higher rate. that might not have sustainability long term to provide uh, the incomes they want to have out of it. So you lump all those things together and uh, and look at the big machine we've been working with all these decades in the capital markets, and uh, you wonder what what phase liquidity it take on tomorrow rather compared to today what's sustainable and what's not, and what more changes we have that are coming after us. And my hat's off the list doing these projections every week and talking about it because it is really like dealing with a magic box and opening it up and don't know what's going to come out of it next week. And he does an excellent job of staying on point and staying on target, which makes me know how damn smart he is so he can do that. But uh, that's what I, I'm concerned about. I just think there's more moving cogs than we had from a uh, long time in the machine. And it's 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 causing all kind of doubts and suspicions and concerns. And and it's wallet concerns. It's investment concerns. It's personal concerns. It's all over the place. It's really a traumatic type thing for us to go through in this marketplace. And it happened so fast to us, it caught us all with a proverbial bridge <clears throat> down. So anyway, that's my comments.
5: Alice. Uh, Dave, when you pass okay. it over to Alice, I yes. really do want to hear what Alice knows, because she knows the troops better than probably any of us on the phone. Alan yeah. certainly Thanks. knows; uh, he studies a lot of the effects of that. But what are how? Am I fairly assessing the MLOs? That's, and and what are they thinking about? Do they do they do they? How much do they appreciate the capital markets? is wrestling with, a volatile market, and also with illiquidity, so therefore the bid-ask spread is wide. Just the other day, by the way, it was over a quarter of a point on price was the bid-ask spread, not one tick. So, anyway, Alice?
7: Well, I think uh – uh what you've both said is uh, it covers everything from a market standpoint. I think the only thing I have to add is there's no precedence either for anybody to go off of. That's, that's always also adding to the what to do, what's worked, what hasn't worked. None of that comes into play. Everybody's working from a uh, – we've never been through this before, so how do, we, how do we navigate it forward? But to your question, Les, about the MLOs, You know, on the street, I don't think they – the average loan officer is not in tune to the markets at this degree to understand why this happens. I just think they'll look at their shop and go, what's wrong with my rates? And these are the Mm -hmm. kinds of things that make them feel nervous, and then they get volatile. So they want to start jumping ship, go to another lender. You know, their minds are swirling, and I think uh, somebody who can – explain this to them in a way that they can understand is is really going to be helpful for them but I, I don't think they understand the why behind what's happening in the markets today
5: well how are you doing at union home loans
7: well uh we're doing great i mean i'm not in the secondary market so i i obviously have no qualifications to opine on that but i know we do spend <laughs> some time with the loan yep. officers on a regular basis so that I can confidently say our loan officers have background as to some of the why and how to sell with that. Uh, But I would say average out there is not that level of communication with LOs for them to really understand um, how to manage in this market, especially if at a loan officer level they're allowed to try and do their own hedging.
5: Dave, I can't. You know, Alice knows how to swim in her own lane. I like to yeah. swim in
7: everybody's lane. You do.
6: <laughs>
5: <So>. Yeah, I'm staying in my you lane. Know. Good observation.
7: Yes. I know <laughs> I'm going mean, to drown if I go outside my lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, uh, yeah, Alan, I want to get your thoughts. You just bought a house, and were, did you feel like your loan officer is able to explain what's going on out there? I've got, a, I've got some commentary I'm going to put in after we get your, hear from you, Alan. But
1: well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave us with a question, but I'm going to start with a response to both of your opinions. And um, Les, you talk about all these great people and these great minds out in the industry. Um, you're you're right up there with them. Um, so don't don't you know discount your opinion. Um, so you know,
5: I, when there's I, when a I'm wide bit ass spread on my opinion. That's yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs>
1: but better than my opinion. So. I went to a, a company that, for my initial mortgage rates, and knowing so many lenders and being in the business so long, right, I, could, I could have gone to a number of people and, and gotten a, an employee or a friend loan. Anyways, I went to one company that I know very, very well, and um, I worked with an originator who um, really was out of sync. Um, unfortunately, it, it goes with the territory nowadays. And what I mean is I asked for information on an arm as I saw the market turning, I realized that I, an arm would be better for me. And, of course, I have access to pricing and generic data, right, so I was able to see it myself as well. He was unable to get me pricing, and he had to actually go to a manager. The manager got on the phone with me, didn't realize my background, and actually you know, kind of said, well, listen, what I need to do is just get you in the home. You'll be able to get a better rate later on. Don't worry about the product. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. no, that's not really you know, how – and I was an L.O., That's not really how I'm thinking about it. I'd really like to know what your rates are on the 5-1 arm today, or 7-1. And he was unable to provide me anything. He told me he'd follow up by email and never did. So I went online to a credit union that I found that had great rates. Um, They had all these amazing online reviews from independent third parties, not from mortgage parties, meaning that they were a legitimate credit union that was providing legitimate deals to people. And I wound up going through the process. Now, the originator... Didn't know very much either. They had some rates posted online that was the same rate I got quoted, same rate that was locked, so I was happy about that. I never once felt like there was anything weird going on. The only thing is they outsourced their underwriting to another company, so I was contacted by the next person and all my further communication went through them. They used the point-of-sale system, so I lost connection with the LO. This is getting a little bit away from where you were, last, but I'm just making it really kind of quick. They, I lost connection with the LO. I actually lost really all connection with the credit union until it was time to pay my first mortgage bill. And then everything (laughs) continued through email. There was a portal through a portal. I'm not going to mention who they are. It was never updated. Actually today, I think finally may say closed, but it took a full month before it even said the loan was closed. And then they connect me to another portal. And then they connect me to another signing portal. So I had all these logins. I did mess Mm -hmm. up my logins once or twice. My point in the end is that the originators only know what other people think they need to know. So I, I completely mirror what Alice has said as well. It's really the capital markets and the secondary folks that are working on the pricing. And the new LOs that are coming in, depending on how they're trained and what each company's goals are, kind of sets what their knowledge base is going to be, right? We remember the days of having to figure it out ourselves. And we saw the raw rates, and we had to add up the LLPAs ourselves. And whether the base rate was baked or not, we knew how to do it. That's, that, th- those days are long gone, I believe, for many people. <clears throat>
0: Uh, boy, there's so getting some immediate comments back or texted in from uh, clients that are listeners, and we're getting all points. Our company does a great job of communicating what's going on in capital markets. I feel like we're well informed. Other co- next text that came in is our company really is bad at this, and they do not they leave us out there. But I signed up for and use MBS Live. .net because of listening, being a listener on your podcast. I like what Graham says in his updates. Uh, one other person says, "Have you checked the recent comments and posting? So first thing this morning, I come out, turn on my computer, turn on MBS Live. What's going on in the markets? I do this as soon as I get up, even before I have my first cup of coffee, kind of get an anticipation what's there. And yes, Les, I look for your newsletter and read it, and then I go in through. But what was interesting is one of the comments was in your was looking at the the VIX, the volatility index of the what's the volatility index of what's going on in Treasuries. So what's so nice about this, putting in a plug for MBS Live, is – and I'm looking for the – I'm scrolling through the comments from earlier this morning and where I I can't find it right now. But I did go to the website. It's investing.com. And that person who was in there said, yes, you could go get the latest volatility, take a look at the index. And you can also then – I'm sure, Les, you have much better ones. But this is free. And you're able to go in and take a look at it, both from what's going on in the short term as well as a long-term historical perspective on there. If you want that website, let me know. I'll make sure you guys get copies of it. But if you uh, of the address of the address for that website to go to the identifying the volatility because people are looking at it. Some companies are really good at communicating. Their capital markets department does a great job. For those, there's some companies that don't. That doesn't mean you can't loan officers go out and find and get the information. It is. It, I think the loan officers are the best equipped. Are the ones that are going out there and looking this up for themselves. I think it's great when a company provides them data, but don't just read from the script. Do your homework. Les Parker. I'll let you, after my little uh, rant on that and a plug for Matt's software, let you comment. They should sign up for your newsletter well, as well.
5: Um, I kind of uh, left a point hanging on my kind of my opening thoughts, but I will – so let me clarify that. When I was comparing NBA and Doug Duncan over at Fannie Mae, I think the way Doug forecasts his methodology of forecasting and his team's forecasting, I prefer over the way that uh, Mike, Fratt, and Tony, and the way they forecast. And it's, it's more because there's a philosophical difference on how they assess and what they look at. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Doug and his team have just a little broader look there, and I think part of it is because they are driven not just by the domestic market And I think MBA is kind of forced into looking at things just through a domestic eye, and that was the difference. The international markets matter, and this year it's going to really matter. So for all those that have been looking at gold and thinking, oh, why is this happening, that happening, not happening, and there's plenty of gold bugs out there, I'm sure, that listen to this, this may be your year, so watch gold. The other thing, watch gold in the sense of if it really sells off, and that means that, uh, that the Fed's policies are being viewed as great, and if it really starts rallying and you get into a major rally, that would be viewing that they don't like Fed policy, um, and that will probably mean that the Fed starts, lo- or starts okay. not being as committed to tightening. Uh, also, if the dollar starts weakening significantly, it's in a bear market right now, so it's been weakening, Uh, basically the world wants to see the dollar much lower. And there's a lot of people that think a weaker dollar makes us stronger, and that's far from the truth. A strong dollar implies a strong U.S. economy. Uh, so So this year you need to pay more attention to the dollar than you probably have in the past and you need to pay more attention to gold than maybe some of you have paid attention to before, it's going to be more consequential this year. I think those are two things you should watch. Um, And so if you start seeing gold really taking off, there's a good chance that we will be seeing lower rates because there will be a perception – or, excuse me, higher rates because there will be a perception that the Fed is not going to stick to really killing inflation. Uh, And if the dollar starts at right now, it's still – the currency in the world, uh, I just mm-hmm. published a few days ago, uh, charts that give you a relative comparison of what it means for the dollar to be strong. Uh, it's, so it's, it, And there's no easy index. It's not like you can do a Google search and see something that tells you the strength of the dollar against all the other major currencies. It, it's it's not, Unfortunately, it's not that simple. So those are the two things they should pay attention to. Uh, A weaker dollar does not mean that interest rates are going to be skyrocketing, but if it tips over enough and it's tipping over enough relative to other currencies, then we're going to be in a significant bear market in interest rates. So we'll see significantly higher rates. Um, So we we have – we could be significantly lower this year, 2023, <laughs> or significantly higher this year. I think what's going to come first is going to be significantly lower. We've already gotten this. When I was on your program in the middle of October, late October, I said that we're going to see mortgage rates drop 100 beeps, and we've dropped now about 75 beeps. And I think we're going to. I think we have a good chance for another 50 to 100. Excuse me, 50 to 75 beeps lower in mortgage rates. But here's the bad news, Dave. That doesn't mean much for mortgage originators other than mm-hmm. it will help bring some stability to the purchase market. But for refinances, you'll get some. It will perk it up a little bit, but nothing compared to what it was before because there's way too many 35 and 3% mortgage-backed securities out there, I think If we see those levels again, it's because of some really bad things in the global field, and it probably means not just a a bad recession. It probably means depression in certain parts of the world.
0: Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, Sorry. I've I've got – no, that's – uh, that's a little ominous, and that hopefully for not that um I've got some comments that are coming in from questions that came in from a listeners, uh, asked Les what he thinks of the disconnect from the markets and to the latest jobs data it did not we did not see the normal reaction thoughts on that Les? I know you covered this well this but.
5: is where matt this is where Matt and I have we kind of separate a little bit, I think his and it's because he's such a good fed watcher. And I'm such not as good of a Fed watcher. I look kind of in more global things. Mm-hmm. And so I will have a tendency to kind of hit some of these things right, but he sometimes gets it right uh, because he's so narrowly focused. So they, there's times when the, the narrow-focused person gets it right better than the broad-focused person for, and vice versa. Right now, the reason the markets are going lower, and they should be going lower rates, uh, is because the perception is that the Fed is on track and uh, to keep tightening and to keep it under control, and there's a big debate over it right now, is whether the Fed, Fed is going to loosen or if it's going to stay with this tightening mode. QE or QT, quantitative tightening, has mm-hmm. really just kind of taken hold. It's just been about 60 days when it kind of crossed over from being a accommodated Fed to an unaccommodated Fed. So we are in the midst of tightening. We are in it now. We were talking about it for a year and a half. They were moving towards it for a year and a half, but the physical policies were still accommodated. Now we are in tightening. It is physically tightening. And there's some – comp, and, and Matt, maybe next time he's on, ask him about the Fed's, uh, the Federal Reserve's uh, repo program, re- uh, repurchase program.
6: Well, that, is where, that
5: is where – that is the area where the domestically focused people say the Fed will not be able to stay on its tightening mode. It is going to have to flatten it out. And then those that are looking internationally – are saying there's going to be plenty of – and it's a liquidity question, by the way. Uh, the international people are saying we're going to be getting plenty of liquidity because of the weaker dollar and because gold – or, excuse me, oil is low prices. So and, – and, and that's yeah. just kind of international commerce. So will we have sufficient liquidity in the – in all assets, because of the international picture, or are we going to have inadequate liquidity because of our domestic picture? And if it's inadequate liquidity, then what will happen is the Fed won't stay on its path, bonds will punish the markets because of that, and we will end up with higher rates. So that's the irony and I think that kind of addresses the question. There is an ironic yeah. aspect to it. How can we be going lower right now because of these particular things? Well, because the bond market says we're still headed to a recession.
0: Okay. That's why. Explains it right yeah. there. Good, 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 good. And if everyone of you listening and asking questions of me on a via text, we're, list, we're listening to or reading Les Parker's TM Spotlight you would get a lot of that perspective. He does a great job of covering it and a lot more. Thanks for Les. letting
5: me call and
0: our Les. You thank you so it. much. And, uh, uh, great,
5: great team and everyone.
0: Well, great. Alice, any questions before we let Les escape out the back door?
7: No, thank you very much. That was very informative. Uh, brilliant, yeah. as always.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I got to go back and listen to it several times. Uh, Alan, anything you want to add to that or questions you have for Les? Is he? Those other than you, kudos to him for recognizing you brilliant on the next side, but everyone knows
4: that No, no,
1: just uh, just great to nevertheless.
5: thank you yeah, you know yeah. Alan, yeah. I just remembered, I just remembered something with Alan. Alan and I have a mutual good buddy. He's been a good buddy to Howard cognac for a long long time, and uh, it's interesting. I mentioned the bid-ass spread frequently to to Howard, and he kind of will dismiss me. And it's not because he doesn't understand it. It's because he, he thinks I obsess over it. Um, but it really does. When you start seeing that the what the buyers want to pay for a mortgage-backed security, what the sellers are willing to sell a mortgage-backed security for, when you see that widening out, that means you have less liquidity. And we mm-hmm. are in that environment right now in mortgage-backed securities. So when people read my newsletter for today, of course, if they sign up today, they won't see today's, but if they request it at the time, we'll be able to forward it to them. You'll see that uh, mortgage-backed securities, that's one of the dilemmas that the Fed has. It has not been able to liquidate the mortgage-backed security portfolio as quickly as they wanted to.
1: Which that's another question I guess- for Matt to talk about.
6: Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't
1: I don't want to drag us on any further, um, but does, doesn't that then force lenders to have to increase costs because they're going to have to hold on to these loans much longer? Absolutely, uh, Alan.
5: That is, in fact, that's the point of my newsletter today, and I was trying to make the point also in the one-minute uh, audio clip, is that loan officers, I, I, I don't know that this dialogue helped them, but I hope it does. Your capital markets people right now are really – for the last year and a half, they've really been stressing over uh, various liquidity problems, uh, volatility for sure, intraday volatility as well as long-term volatility, sh- significant shifts in marketplace where there, were not, there was no premium pricing that you yeah. saw in your rate sheets because there wasn't any premium pricing. Uh, that's illiquidity, folks. And yep. today, even though we backed off a little bit, we have a little more liquidity and various different coupons, we are still fighting illiquidity, and that has to get priced. And if your team is not pricing it, you may want to look to somebody like Union Home Loans that is pricing it, because yeah. if you're not pricing that risk, you're putting your whole company at risk, and that's why I said, let it burn. That's why I let
6: used the song
5: yeah. from uh, uh, Adele. So yeah that's great, great
6: great,
0: great that's thing. what will
5: happen
2: you'll be burning down your own mortgage companies
0: yeah well mark I'll let you wrap that up <laughs> any last questions for uh les parker
2: well i think i'm right in the right in the boat with you David I need to go back and listen to this a couple times I'm not confused I'm confounded It's a little bit different uh I I think I think the uh I think the information is very very good I for one my projection I'm just going to go on record my my projection is things are going to stay substantially the way they are for a while so we'll see what happens and I know nothing to note behind to support my projection other than I'm just saying that but thank you, Les. That was a, a real good tutorial, and I've, I've <laughs> yeah. learned more probably in the last 15 minutes about this than I probably knew in my whole head before. Thank you yeah. so much.
5: Good Doug Duncan's job. in the same boat that you're in, uh, Mark, so you're with good company. And yeah. uh, even though Doug thinks it's going to be stable, I mean stable in a sense of a broad range of between 5 and 7% on mortgages, uh, that still doesn't mean that you're at 6 the whole time. You'll go yep, up to right. seven, you'll go down to five, yeah. and you may dip yeah. a little below five, you may go a little above seven, and that's where the challenge will be, is what drives us from six down to below just below five, or what drives us then back from just below five up to seven or just above seven. That's, that's the trick, and that is why this will be another wild year, but within bounds.
0: The Thanks, button. Dave.
5: It was a pleasure being with you guys.
0: Thank you, Les. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Les. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Right. Man, there was a lot. I know a lot of you are going to want to go back and listen to that because there was that much information in there. But you need to sign up for Les Parker's TM Spotlight. Sure, encourage you to do so. You can understand why. we always thrilled when we get in to dial in. Thank you so much. Alice Alvey, let's get over to you to get an update. Uh, my head's hurt, not hurting too much already. an <laughs> Update on the legislative update. Alice Alvey, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. Alice, thanks for joining
5: Ian Well,
7: I think you're, you're welcome. I mean, I think today's the perfect day for what my report was going to be. Is There's no new legislation and there aren't any new proposed rules to have to worry about. So I'm going <laughs> to let everybody just. Simmer on uh, everything that Les <laughs> Les told us uh, because it was yeah. brilliant, and to really, you know, that whole idea. Well, anyway, I won't restart the conversation, but it's a great, yeah. a great topic that uh, everyone's grappling with today. Um, and so I will, I will leave it at that with one footnote that we are hoping FHA comes up with some reduction in the MIP premium. Uh, right, you know, they were. They showed a lot of their liquidity themselves uh, in their year-end report, and so we'll we keep hoping now that it's past the first of the year that maybe we can get some movement on that. But nothing nothing as of yet. So I'll, I'll pass it back to you guys.
0: Yeah, very good point. Several people just texted me asking when will this recording be available? As soon as we hang up, you can go to Blog Talk Radio, but we'll be available. We'll edit it and clean up a few aspects, uh, such as the opening, uh, on this and have it available for you, everyone, tomorrow. But you can listen to it on Blog Talk Radio if you want to go there. It's always available, as well as uh, will it will be on our website um, tomorrow. So tomorrow, for sure. Good. Alice, thank you so much. Yeah, I agree with you. I just want to sit and marinate and... Think about what we just heard. All right. Um, It'll be on our website. Ben tells me who supports it Uh, within an hour. It'll be on the recording, and this will be on our website within the hour. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate that. Ben Delacruz, who supports our podcast. Appreciate it. Let's get over to Alan Pollack. Good to have you joining us, Alan. Appreciate you. Great to be here.
1: How's everyone doing?
0: yeah. Good, good, good. Man, I'm getting a lot of questions on technology right now. It's like is it's like there is a um it is it's like there's something going on where everyone is looking for the magic elixir of it's going our costs yeah. are gonna be taken down because of technology.
1: Thoughts? I think, David, when you when you look at our lenders, I think people are tired of tech. I think they're fed up. I, I I think they just want to plug in one thing and be done. I don't think they want to have to worry about it anymore, right? Plug in my security and compliance, plug in my my data aggregation, plug in my LOS, and that should have everything in it, and then I'm done. Let me let me go do what I'm great at, right? I I feel like more people are starting to think along those lines.
0: I agree. I agree. It's just like there's yeah. You know... Technology is a death by a thousand cuts. You look at how many people are wishing they could consolidate everything. The vendor management issues has a cost component to it. Um, there's just many, but there is so much reason to see, especially when you look like the, the sponsors that we have on the podcast, uh, specifically Candor, or what it can do to increase your efficiency of your underwriters. There is some definite gains that be, can be had there is. by partnering with the right technology companies. And you've always got this perspective, and so I don't want to get into your segment. So go ahead and give us your report. What you got? All
1: right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start first with the CES Consumer Electronics Show because the beginning of the year we always do that. Um, it's funny to say we always because David, we I have been on your podcast since um, 2017. So that's wow. six years now. Yeah, it's been a long time. So anyways, um, so you and I just graduated kindergarten together. We're in first grade. <laughs> if we do it by uh by years, yeah. and if we go by dog years yeah we've been together like 40, 40 years or so yeah so yeah. anyway well, um
0: whatever the time it's been, it's been good to have you on it's been a number of years it's
1: yeah been it's good. been good to be here so the consumer electronics show there you know i'll bring up the funny stuff and i think only a couple things i pointed out there's of course flying cars and all that wonderful stuff um but the funny stuff is there's now a a company literally spent their money <laughs> and i don't even know what it costs to be at tes but to create a baby, a baby diaper soil alert, so you know electronically through your phone, or who knows, maybe it shows up on your TV that your your new your new baby, um, your prized possession, has soiled their diaper. Um, but more exciting, David, uh, ring car cam. So now not only will it record huh. it as you're driving all the things around you, but it actually will become a security camera and it'll record events as they may occur yeah. to your car. I saw that.
0: I saw that on my – I was yep. looking at it this morning on my Ring app.
1: Yep, Ring peephole camera. So they're bringing back something that they turned off for, for apartments and other cases. It has a you know, back-and-forth microphone and all that, so you can take a look there. But this one I thought was more related to our industry. It's called the Nua Pen, and what it does, it works with any paper. Um, it digitally records all of your pen strokes. You can upload your notes and sketches to this app that they have on your phone. Um, and, and then for $3 a month or whatever it is, it'll automatically convert your handwritten notes to text. So it's pretty cheap. Check it out. Uh, there's another thing that was the one-third food ripeness indicator, so I guess it can tell you if your food is safe to eat. Um, and then, if, um, you know, and this kind of is related to real estate agents. Um, you know, if you've got somebody that, that has a lot of digital switches and things and they're trying to sell the house, they can buy what's called the Homey Pro, which is, which is big in, in other countries. They're bringing it here. Uh, it's like a digital display of all the groups and sections of digital um, appliances and lights and such. So it makes your house a smart home, but instead of it only being on your phone, it's a display. Think of like a, an Amazon or an Echo where it's got the little screen and you can get all that and you put it on your counter. Same kind of thing, but completely controls your home. So lots of cool stuff there. Let's talk, David, about a company. And I thought this was pretty interesting. They're called Pylon. CYLON, they earned eight and a half million dollars. so there is money being spent on technology, right? Not, it's not millions, but eight and a half million is a good number. It's their initial seed funding, and what they're doing is they're promoting mortgage technology products to help Fintechs, right banks and re- realtors, uh, re- a sorry integrate mortgage lending into products within weeks. and what they're saying is they have all these pre-built UI components. Uh, They have APIs, they have underwriting logic, and they have table funding and capital markets tools. The reason why this is interesting is because it was an article in the ATM marketplace and it wasn't on the mortgage side and it has to do with a company that serves the fintech market that we don't always connect and talk to. And so it doesn't help you in your mortgage process. Maybe reach out to them and see if you can become a partner on their platform. But if you're on the tech side, it's more of a big deal because getting into digital smart ATMs, not that everyone's going to get cash right now, but, you know, brick and mortar, financial institution lending, these are tools, these are the companies that are advertising to those companies. So these are the folks you want to consider being partners or talking to. So that's one of them. I thought that was interesting.
6: Interesting. This is a
1: really good, Dave, switching topics, uh, housing wire article. Rocket, and it was talking about UWM and Rocket, and it was basically saying that as we navigate and adjust to the current environment, we're continuing our long-term strategy of investing in our platform with an eye toward the future because the article talks about how Rocket's volume has dropped because we're out right of this refinance boom where the technology had a bigger mm-hmm. presence in, in that transaction and, and their, their loss in volume making them number two in the market. So it's funny, as you read through it, it talks about they are going to continue invest in technology, which we know everybody's doing. But more importantly, UWM said that as others maybe don't have the same expense, Could we fare better pricing than Rocket? So the question was left at the end of the article, UWM thinking that maybe Rocket has to still spend a lot of money on technology and may still come out with higher rates because they have a larger expense. Don't know. That's how the article left. It was in Housing Wire. It was uh, definitely an interesting article. So, David, you know, tech companies are cutting costs as well, right? That's kind of just a, a big note to everybody. It's not just on the lender side. We keep focusing on that. The slippage of volume has hurt them, and they're revisiting their strategies. Some of them are looking at, you know, slowing down the roadmap, maybe removing some of the extra resources, and how do they just service their clients? You, the lenders, how do they how do they get you with better satisfaction? And so somebody had asked me last week, gave it a question, and I'm going to answer that directly in this last bit here. Um, they said, what, what do I do to get my house in order? You know, they heard me on the podcast two or three times talk about, you know, how to align your priorities and such, but how does it relate? To the technology vendors. So I have a couple things here that I'll, I'll just quickly bring up. So I thought it was kind of interesting. So how do you get the house in order? Just focused in one quick spot. One is you want to map out your processes. So let's say, you know, you're looking at your main technology yes. or LOS. What is it? And do you have an internal admin or do you have a product manager? Who owns how that technology works and who owns the relationship to your internal staff? And then after that, what are all the support tickets? What are the things people have been complaining about that aren't working right, that you had to create manual workaround for, you weren't able to adopt? What, is all the, what are all your challenges, your, your road bumps? And then align them to the workflow you have. And then the next thing to do is to figure out where are you spending the time. So it may be you have a, 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 roadmap, a road bump, but it's not that big of a deal. What are the ones that are causing you heartburn, causing you extra costs, slowing down the process? You know, making people not happy. You can't keep LOs because they don't like your tech. Whatever it is, you need to get on the phone with your vendors at that point. And you need to say, this is the beginning of the year. I need to understand that I miss your release notes, Did I not turn a feature on for some reason that's still there. Did you ever implement the things you said you were going to do? And the folks that are in charge of the support internally at your organization, they need to be the ones that do this, and they need to come back and say what they do and don't have, and now you need to reassess all that. That's what it means to get the house in order. It's time to start. You may not be investing in new tech. Maybe that's not your thing. You may not have your own staff. Your, your, your vendors are focused on serving you right now, right? They've lost volume, they've lost income. They're trying to figure out how to stay alive. Work with them, figure out what they can do to help you and how you can help them. And that's the goal for the beginning of, uh, of 2023. Good, good stuff.
0: I mean, getting some comments in on uh <clears throat> the comment I made by are you seeing about the death by a thousand cuts? Are you seeing um more of a consolidation where people are having the tendency to go with more one vendor and settling for less just so they yeah uh, so you are seeing that okay
1: good yeah, yeah people good. people are not only death by a thousand cuts as far as as how a lender will pay for these services. But also that their staff isn't ready for some of the extra tech that comes with more vendors, and they don't have the folks to manage it. Yeah, um, I got to tell you, I didn't. Right. Yeah, I didn't e-sign for my mortgage. It not I, If I didn't know any different, it wouldn't have mattered. Right. I, I know e-sign is out there, but it, didn't, it wouldn't have mattered if you're not tuned into our industry or you're being fed news, you know, through different channels. It's just the mortgage process,
6: mm-hmm. and that's
1: a, so. As long as you manage the expectation of the borrower, it doesn't mean that's the best way to do it but not every borrower is expecting every feature caveat that you can offer them.
0: Great point. Great point, man. We could go on and on, but we're out of time folks. That's what happens with this podcast. If things could happen just <laughs> And today, we had Les Parker dialing in your old business partner. He and he were in business together over there at loan logics. Great company, still doing well. And I'm uh, very grateful for you being here as well as Mark. Thank you so much, Mark As you. We wrap it up, Mark Helm. Anything you want to add to the podcast? Any reflections? I would
2: like awesome. to add something on the things that Alan, Alan said. Uh, so Alan, thank you for the roadmap. I think the oh. thing that I see in industry and have experienced more than anything is the fact that people don't communicate and don't ask questions. The very concept you went through of asking your people what's the problem, asking the people next in line in the process what's the problem – going to your vendors and, and making mm-hmm. sure that you did everything the right way, having them a, do an assessment of you and you do an assessment of what they said they're going to do. All those things are all about communications, and that's the linchpin in uh, allowing us to get things done. And thank you for pointing that out to everybody today.
6: Well, thank
0: Thanks you for your
2: feedback. You bet.
0: Yeah. Well, folks, that wraps up the podcast today. Thanks so much for listening. We're grateful to be here each and every week. I encourage you to share this podcast and the link to it. To others, again, the Les Parker comments, it was, there was so much in all of what we had to say, but the Les Parker's comments about the market is really – there is a lot. That's one I'm going to go back and listen to two, three times myself. So other than having to listen to my own voice, it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to the content that was there. Alan brought a great points. Everyone, just – Excellent podcast. Thanks so much. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, which again is Candor, Finastra, Formfree, Total Expert, Simple Nexus, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coupe, Mobility MMI, Modix, and of course, Mortgage Advisory Tools. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. <laughs>